If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings, welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast. It's episode 268. This is our Genesis Scottish Open plus Barbasol Championship Bets pod. Barry O'Hanrahan and Paul Williams join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss our selection for this week's PGA DP World Tour action. Good morning. How are we? Morning, chaps. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website where we have in depth betting previews for both events, strokes gained analysis for both events, strokes gained rankings effectively, course form statistics combined with current form stats. And of course, then we have our brand spanking new predictor models all available for the golf this week. They're all completely free of charge as well. On Twitter, Barry is at a good talk golf. Paul is at golf betting. I am at Bamford Golf. Subscribe to the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where this podcast is available along with my weekly golf betting show. Now you guys as listeners power this podcast so we need your five star reviews on Apple Podcasts as ever. For those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of the view to show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. These reviews are absolutely essential for the podcast. If we don't get five-star reviews, our listenership effectively goes down. So please keep sending them in. And of course, keep send, uh, pressing that five-star button on Spotify. We had a nice jump last week. Right. You're going to like this one, chaps. This one is entitled Excellent Podcast! Exclamation mark Five stars. Greetings from the Netherlands. I have been listening to the podcast for a number of years and really enjoy the in-depth research that goes into each and every episode. Keep them coming, chaps. And that's from Lucas. And Lucas is in the Netherlands. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Lucas. Never- I thought- <laughs> I thought you might have been able to brush up your uh, Dutch accent a little bit, though, there, Steve. Greetings! <laughs> I would say I would never have guessed if I had 10 guesses what country Lucas was from by Steve's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much, Lucas. <laughs> oh, dear. Th- thanks, Lucas. He's actually, yeah. That's the way he's actually written it as well. He, you know, I'm not one for uh, spelling and pronunciation, and we know we've got some listeners that are real sticklers, but he's actually spelt greetings... G-R-E-A-T-I-N-G-S. So there you go. Lucas, we appreciate the effort that you put in. Mm, very much so. Right, let's talk about last week. Um, wow. I put up Robert McIntyre in The Maiden Himmerland. And I put up Schenk and McCarthy in on the J- John Deere Classic. And Glover. And neither, none of them won. It was, um, let's start with the Maiden Himmelin. That was, I mean, McIntyre throwing in that triple bogey when he was three clear. Mm. And then you had Richie Ramsey doubling, was it the last? Yeah. Yeah. There's a tough so, hold. Oh, this, this Scottish talent was just melting in the sun, wasn't it? It was, uh, it was disappearing. Yeah. When it that, came to the, crunch time. The 18th was a, a tough hole in that course. So, you know, it asked a lot of questions. And, you know, Nacho Alvira as well, he, he only needed to make mm. par up the last. Um, smashed it down the fairway. Uh, you know, fist pump for the uh, for the drive into the fairway and then ran through the back and made bogey to take it to a to a playoff. But, yeah, oh yeah. It, it's, I think when you watch the DP World Tour on a Sunday, it's, 
it's more the same every week, isn't it? it you know, it is that proverbial hot potato. And Rasmus had posted his uh, his total. I was told I didn't see this live um, in terms of the, the odds, but I was told that standing on the 18th tee, Rasmus was 250 to one to win because he was out so much earlier than the other guys. Um, and mm. you know, an awful lot needed to happen for him to actually stand a chance of winning. And he went and made birdie on that toughest of final holes, posted thirteen under, and everyone else just came back to him. It was um, it was like a procession of failures, wasn't it? And <laughs> the, the the playoff itself. I mean, if uh, if Nacho Vera had uh, played um, the final hole in regulation like he did the first five playoff holes then he'd have won the tournament but couldn't do it and then eventually Erasmus ground him down and forced the mistake out of him at the uh, what, sixth time of asking I think it was but yeah I, for me I, there was a bit of a brief excitement on Saturday because uh, Soren Kjeldsen who I'd backed at 250s um, he was seven under through 16 holes uh, and uh, at that point, he was sitting in third or fourth on the leaderboard. I'm thinking, you know, there's a good chance here. Finish, finish this round off, Soren. There's a good chance that you can uh, get yourself into a, a place. And that's, uh, you know, a, a full place for a 250 to one shot is, you know, the equivalent of a win, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and he makes bogey double, final two holes, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> the GBSY. <laughs> oh dear! And then you just throw something at the uh, telly or the phone. So, question about you, Paul. I mean, uh, we monitor players' statistics. I didn't see anything from Rasmus Hoygaard that suggested he was going to turn up at his home event and win the Maiden Himalayan. But is that just Rasmus? No. Well, is he one talk- of these that literally just sparks from nowhere. I I forget whether we talked about it on the pod. I certainly wrote it briefly in my preview yesterday or last week and um, he'd withdrawn from his previous two events with a rib injury and wow. he wasn't 100 percent. he wasn't even 100 percent for this and uh, it, it's only because he was playing at home and wanting to compete that he um, that he gave it a go mm. and we've seen before and we you know num- numerous times where an injured golfer um who has less expectation um is freed up to to go and produce the performance or the winning round which as it was um that, that gets you over the line it's uh, strokes it's gained game. emotional it's Absolutely. strokes gained emotional state he's playing his home event you know, just like oh i'm a bit injured so what everybody's always a little bit injured with something mm. boom so question does he make your Ryder cup team <sighs> it, that's it is a tough one because him and nikolai are both got immense talent and I'm sure they will feature in multiple Ryder Cups over the years whether it's this one or not um, yeah I'm not I'm not sure I'm not sure um, I, th- I think if he'd have finished Nacho Vera off very quickly in the playoff um, you know shown that killer instinct then then potentially but it dragged on and on and on um, so you're saying the way he won is going to be the deciding factor. It's <laughs> brutal. No, I, think it, I think it shows a, a level of um, kind of killer instinct. You know, if you remember um, Matt Wallace going back a few years ago when he was trying to qualify for the... Uh, we, we never let this one go, do we? Matt Wallace not making the Ryder Cup team. No, no, but I, I, the manner in which he won that event, he came through, he, he made birdie after birdie after birdie, he got himself into a playoff and then birdied every playoff hole. Um, and he was just knocking it stiff, you know, knocking it to three, five, seven feet each time. Um, mm. You know, there was that aggressive, there was that, um, you know, killer instinct there. Yeah, and he didn't make the team. Yeah, that's that's water under the bridge. But uh, yeah, I know. I, I get what you're saying. You can't you can't um, discard him just for lack of, um, you know, not killing one tournament off in a few holes. But um, yeah, I, the, the, he he and his brother will make the team um, multiple times. I'm sure. But whether it's this time or not. Um, I'm on the fence. Uh, it's. I just think it's interesting. Himself, his brother, yeah, and a- and Ludwig Aberg. Like, that's in the future. They all things going on the trajectory we think we can see for them. They're going to be Ryder Cuppers for maybe multiple Ryder Cuppers, and so yeah, it feels. I mean, we're going to be going up against a very strong US team. It kind of feels like a little bit of a free hit to get one or two of the new generation blooded and mm. in Europe as well, which means they'll be a bit more 
or at least they'll have the experience of it when they go to the US the next time because there's a really good chance one mm. or two of them will be on the team in the next one in the USA. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's just my thoughts right now. I'm sure we're gonna have many, many more pods of Ryder Cup chat now over the coming weeks. Mm. It's gonna it's it's coming up pretty fast. Well it is at the moment. Sorry. You go ahead. Yeah, I just say it is coming up fast. And if you look at the move that Sepp Stracker made last week, um, he's now mm. sitting in, uh, in, you know, in a very strong position going into uh, going to this kind of critical part of the season. If you're winning a PGA Tour event, mm. even though it's one of the weakest, not that that matters overly, but you've got to think you're going to get a pick, surely. I mean, Yannick Paul is the one that's clinging on to that last European points automatic spot. And then below him, you've got Moronk and you've got Rasmus now. Yep. Victor Perez looks like he's horribly out of form. And we've seen that from Perez before when it comes to qualification. But it's interesting how these underlings are bubbling now, aren't they? Rasmus wins. Sepp Stracker wins. Seamus Power played nicely last week. Mm-hmm. Alex Noren... Um, got a top 10 the other week from absolutely nothing. You know, they know it's coming. Aaron Rye's playing some really nice golf at the moment. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it, they're, they're, they're coming. Well, you, you know, go back to Wallace. Um, you know, Wallace won, uh, was it the Corrales, didn't he, over on the PGA yeah. Tour early in the year. And yeah, his form's dropped off um, since, but if he puts a run together, you know, if you're talking about having won a PGA Tour event as being one of the mm. potential indicators, then yeah, yeah, there's lots of names. And, and clearly, we've got a year where Sergio Garcia and Lee Westwood and Ian Poulter will not be playing in a European Ryder mm. Cup team. So if you're going to put new blood in, like Erasmus Hoygaard, like a Ludwig Aberg, he, I mean, the, the guy, that guy's driving is just unbelievable. It's proper John Rahm-like. Um, this this could be the year to do it. Or would you put someone in like Robert McIntyre who melts when he's got a three-shot lead at the Maiden Himalaya? That's an interesting... If it, when you think about uh, just... Say Hoygaard doesn't get in because of the way he won. I mean, then McIntyre definitely doesn't get in because of how yeah. he melted on the Sunday. So, to, to, I don't think we discuss things like this on the pod on for that reason in terms of Ryder Cup. Although we do, but the main reason we discuss it is is because and Paul's noted this over a period of time on this podcast. You are getting Robert McIntyre. The only reason I really backed him last week, so he was at twenty five to one, which is a bloody good price for Robert McIntyre on the DP World Tour. He's normally 14 or 16 to 1. Mm. And as Paul has pointed out, when you're backing 14 and 16 to 1 chances, it's nice that they actually convert some of their contending performances, at least you know a, a number of times that would make you a profit. But McIntyre, he's not exactly stellar, is he, when he's, when he's at the top of the leaderboard no. when it comes to converting for a victory? No, and yeah, he 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 has won. You know, he won um, he won in Italy, didn't he, last year? He won uh, Cyprus, but compared to the number of chances that he's had, number of really good chances exactly. that he's had, um, it's disappointing. Exactly, it is when you're backing him at that price. Mm. Uh, DP World Tour race to Dubai rankings. Don't forget, if you're in the top ten and non-exempt on the PGA Tour, you are playing PGA Tour golf. In 2024, Alexander Bjork has jumped four places to number seven. Pablo Larazabal down one to nine. Joost Lauten at ten. Tior Bjorn Olsen has slipped out of the top ten at 11. Rasmus Hoygaard jumps 55 spots to number 12. You've then got Yannick Paul. Marcel CM and rounding off the top fifteen, Jorge Campillo. Just worthy to keep your eye because that again is going to bubble and bubble and bubble. Mm. So, you know you've got guys there going for a potential Ryder Cup spot and a PGA Tour card, so it's going to be fascinating to watch. Um, over in the United States, we had the John Deere Classic. Sepp Strucker took that one out. That's his second PGA Tour victory. Um, well done if you're on a 50-1. to 1. 
Um, I said to Paul, um, the, <laughs> I had a choice really. Sepp Strucker was on my original list of t- players to put in and uh, for some reason I went for Eric Cole instead. I think it was because he was 50 to 1 and I was going down this narrative of 28 to 1 sub and then 66s to 80s. So Strucker's blown that at 50 to 1. It was always going to go at some point. Um, I thought to myself, you know, you don't tend to see someone that far back coming through and winning a PGA Tour event. It was very, very impressive. And then I just looked before we came on air. You know, sitting four back at the John Deere Classic actually isn't a bad situation to be in because Zach Johnson was four back when he won in 2012. Jordan Spieth was six back in 2013 when he won his first PGA Tour event. Bryson DeChambeau was four back in 2017. And Lucas Glover, as recently as 2021, was four back, then took out the title with a very low round on Sunday. And it's exactly what Sepp Strucker did. His numbers were absolute madness. I mean, I keep a track of all this. It was absolutely crazy what he did. He uh, he opened with a 73. I think he was something like 94th going into Friday. If you then look at his last 54 holes, you listen to this, chaps. Sepp Stracker, 190 shots. Next best, the amateur, Tio Bjornsson, 197. <laughs> Seven clear of second place in terms of 54-hole performance at the end of that tournament. Yeah. That's okay. a number you... I can't actually recall seeing anything like that. So 63.3 average. Pardon? That's a 63.3 average over his last three rounds. Crazy, mate. Yeah. He shot 63, (laughs) 65, 62, and he doubled the last when he was going for a 59. Mm. Insane. (laughs) (laughs) And then you you, you had the usual. I mean, it was was very DP World Tour-esque, wasn't it? You're basically (laughs) saying to players like Alex Smalley, Brendan Todd, Adam Schenk, Denny McCarthy, perennial non-winners or youngsters that are still learning their way on the PGA Tour. Come and come and get me, chat. And no one made any kind of input into, you know, inroads into that lead, did they? Yeah. It, it, you know, it, to be fair to Straka, he, he just literally <laughs> dominated Sunday. Blew them away. The one oh, I was what? going to point out was Cam Young. Two to one favourite to win that after 36 holes. Ryder Cupper, potentially, for Team USA. Couldn't take out the John Deere Classic. And, yeah, same with Denny McCarthy, isn't it? If you're looking for Ryder Cuppers there, you've got to... I mean, personally, you've got... Clearly, with Cam Young, you've got a guy that's finished second in majors. But it's so difficult to win on the PGA Tour. It's amazing. If If you show any signs of... Fragility mentally on a Sunday, someone's going to come and get you. Yep, crazy. So Cam Young still winless on the PJ Tour, as is Denny McCarthy. Yep. But anyway, I, what could I? What could I do? I got Adam Schenk in the each way places, full each way at thirty to one. I got Lucas Glover and Denny McCarthy part each way, so I can't complain too much about that. That's, last a, week good, that's a good class. week. It would have been. It would have been nice to go two wins on the trot though. I was more disappointed with Robert McIntyre, to be honest, especially when he was three clear with about five to play. Yeah, not good. Not good. Should we talk this week's golf? Scottish, the Genesis Scottish Open. I'll open. Um, in terms of book, best bookmaker for the 2023 Scottish Open, we're highlighting Bet365, who has ever have their each way extra market available, which gives you the option to increase or decrease the number of places when you are betting pre-event on the Scottish outright market. Right now, as we record the pod, they're offering market best odds and extended each eight places each way on the market leagues, such as Scottish Scheffler seven to one, Rory McIlroy eight to one. We've got Cantlay and Xander at fourteen to one, Hovland eighteen to one. Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood, Hatton, and Spieth. There's a there's a group of four for you. Twenty two to one. So those guys in the UK are market best price, and you're getting eight places each way with their each way extra facility. Right, we recommend Bet three six five. If you're eighteen plus and do not have a Bet three six five sports account, 
You can find details of their current bet £10, get £30 in free bets, new customer promotion. Plus a link through to that very offer with T's and C's in this podcast description. Don't forget to use the bonus code, Paul. Sport30, S-P-O-R-T-3-0. When registering. Seamless. <laughs> right. Genesis Scottish Open. Now, we were talking about this off mic. If you're looking at the four majors this year, we had the Valero Texas Open, we had the AT&T Byron Nelson, we also had the RBC Canadian Open, were the curtain raisers for the following week's major. This Genesis Scottish Open field, which is a co-sanctioned event, DP World Tour and PGA Tour, is by far and away the most loaded pre-major tournament we've seen in 2023. It's a cracking field. So over to you, Paul. You you try to pick out the winner this week. <laughs> yeah, it's um, as you say, it's absolutely loaded. Eight of the world's top ten are here. So John Rahm and uh, Cam Smith are the two that are missing. Thirty of the world's top fifty. So yeah, in comparison to the other warm up events, the the events prior to the majors, it is it is a strong one, isn't it? Um, <laughs> You know, not not just that, not just the fact it's you know, as you said, it's co-sanctioned. You know, roughly half from the PGA Tour, roughly half from the DP World Tour, and a few invites and uh, KPGA players. But other than the fact that it's you know a, a, a massive event in that respect, um, in terms of the prize fund, nine million dollars, eight thousand race to Dubai points, and five thousand Ryder Cup points. So for the guys that tend, you know, the guys that play or ply their trade over on the DP World Tour. It's massive, you know. Going well, doing well in this event um, could, you know, set up um, set up the season, set up a career almost. So, you know, it's, it's an important week for you know, all the players here for you know a multitude of different reasons. Really, uh, you're taking us through the market. I mean, generally, as you said, Bet Three Six Five have, uh, have got both both the best prices and uh, you know a good combination of uh, odds or, or, or terms options there as well. You've also got Labrooks this week going ten places each way, a fifth of the odds, um, and Coral have gone twelve places, a sixth of the odds this week as well. So, if you're having a look around for different. Uh, betting options this week then it is one of those weeks where you should be shopping around in terms of the markets it's not dissimilar to a major championship in terms of the options that are out there so do take some time to compare your prices before placing your bets would be my advice this week the venue uh, renaissance club it's um the fifth year running actually that we've been at the renaissance so there's loads of data to study on the, uh, the stats pages this week as steve said there's the strokes gained data for the last uh, last few years as well um this week which is positive um and of course we've got history for the scottish open going further back historically as well on the previous different venues for this event but the last four years are the ones you want to look at specifically um, for Renaissance Club statistics. Now, the course itself, it sits on that stretch of land that's uh, that's known as the Gulf Coast up um, up in Scotland. It sits between Muirfield and Archerfield links specifically. And it's a modern links uh, constructed and opened in t- 2008. So uh, for the purists, you know, it's going to be links-like rather than rather than a pure, true Lynx. But it does look like a Lynx. It feels like a Lynx. It's got typical Lynxy features, deep bunkers, gorse, thick fescue rough, um, fescue greens. Um, in terms of fescue greens, think the likes of uh, Royal Birkdale, which hosted the uh, Open back in 2017. Castle Stewart as well, which was one of the previous events for this. Um, also featured fescue greens as well tend to be reasonably slow so there's always a bit of adjustment for the um, for the guys playing the PGA Tour when they come over and play these greens because um, the speeds tend to be uh, significantly different to what they're more used to uh, in terms of the metric 7,237 yard par 70 um, it used to be a 71 they've changed it down to a 73 par fives five par threes so not overly long um, can lend itself to uh, strong scoring when the conditions are right. But um, that all depends on the weather. And uh, looking at the weather forecast, a bit mixed this week. Um, coming into it, there's been a lot of sunshine and showers, so it's not going to be bone dry up there, that's for sure. 
in the week itself or the four days itself for the actual event uh we're looking at temperatures around 17 centigrade which is what 63 fahrenheit winds in the 10 to 15 mile an hour bracket for thursday friday sunshine and showers now there is a suggestion that low pressure uh low pressure system that's developing over in the west of scotland that may well scoot across the country over the weekend and that potentially could bring in stronger winds for saturday and particularly sunday 20 maybe 25 maybe 30 mile an hour gusts um on sunday so um, it could make it pretty fruity over the weekend which would be a good preparation i think for the um for the open championship next week this course has had some criticism in the past that it's been too easy and um they've tried to try to pinch the fairways in a bit and uh, it does rely on the uh, on the conditions so hopefully um there'll be some you know a reasonable test out there for the players this week in terms of the winners we've had here at renaissance 2019 the first year we played was burnt Wiesberger at 40 to 1 aaron rye won in uh 2020 that was 50 to 1 Minwoo Lee won the following year 200 to 1, and then Xander Chauflay came over and won at 20 to 1 last year. But then, if you look at the winning scores, and we talk so often about these exposed or linksy or coastal tracks requiring, or you know, only being only playing as, as tough as the conditions allow. Wiesberger, when he won, 22 under par. Now, Wiesberger made 30 birdies that week, um, which for Bernd Wiesberger is an awful lot of birdies. 22 under for Wiesberger. Aaron Rye won in a colder, windier, tougher uh, renewal at 11 under par. Minwoo Lee was 18 under. And then last year, it was windy and it was also a bit firmer last year. Xander Schofle won at 7 under par. Um, and yeah, it certainly did play tougher last year. I think this year it's likely to be a little bit softer. Um, but then if it is windy over the re- weekend, that well, could well make it tougher. So I, I don't know if I was to pin a number on it. I think you might be looking at 12, 14, something like that. I think the scoring will be reasonably good for the first couple of days, even with a little bit of breeze, because it'll be relatively soft. And then if that wind does arrive over the weekend, then it could be a case of hanging on for the remaining two rounds, which would be good to see, I think. Now, digging through the data that we've got, digging through the statistics, uh, the most consistent statistic that you can grab from the four winners, and if you're starting with just one stat as kind of the cornerstone of your analysis this week, then for me, it'd be strokes gained tee to green. Bernd Wiesberger was third for strokes gained tee to green when he won. Aaron Rye was second. Minwoo was fourth and Xander led the field last year for strokes gain tee to green so all four of the winners excelled on that particular statistic and um, another thing to pick out and this is something that steve mentioned to us off um, off mic actually and it's a very valid point all four of the winners here arrived off at least a top 20 finish on their previous start in fact if you look at Rye, you look at Beesberger, both of them had finished runner-up on the previous start. That was both, both times that was in Ireland when they used to play the Irish Open, Scottish Open, then Open Championship um, sequence back in the day. Um, so Rye and Beesberger had both finished runner-up in Ireland. Xander had won the Travellers Championship on his previous start. That was a week um, out. So the, yeah, he won the Travellers, had a week off and then won here 12 months ago. Um, Minwoo Lee had finished 17th on his previous start. So top 20 on his on, on a previous start um, has been the trend for the last four winners, all four winners here um, at Renaissance. But Wiesberger was making his uh, debut. Of course, that was the first year it was played. Um, Aaron Rye was making his debut the following year. But Minwoo had finished 30th here previously and Xander had finished 10th on his one start here at Renaissance. So... Potentially a previous effort round here. Um, yeah, maybe not critical, but I don't think it'd go amiss, really. Um, so yeah, potentially one of those weeks where you can dig into a bit of current form, you can dig into a little bit of course form, overlay it with a bit of strokes going C to green, and uh, hopefully it uh, spits out the right answer. If only golf betting was as easy as that, eh? <laughs> um, I'll pack six this week. Um Two shorties, two kind of mid-range, um, slightly longer play- plays, and then two longer plays. So I think what I'll do, I'll take us through those in blocks of two, the two short, two middle, two long, and I'll bring you guys in um, 
after I've taken us through mine each time to keep this uh, keep this podcast relatively fluid, eh? Okay. Um, top of the market then. You've kind of in in your intro, Steve. You said you know trying to unpick this is a bit of a bit of a task, and I think you've got to give massive respect to the guys at the top of the market. Um, Scheffler, McElroy, Cantlay, you know, these guys are at the top of the, top of the betting for a reason. And, you know, if Scheffler turns up with the putter, um, you know, the putter working, then, you know, the rest of the field need to watch out. I think for me, the likes of Scheffler, McElroy, the big prize for those guys is next week. Um, they, whether they choose to turn it on, whether they choose to give everything the week before, um, you know, I, I can't see it personally. I think for me, and this is kind of borne out by the winners here as well. I think for me, the winner is likely to come from just a little bit further down the field. Um, personally, the first one I came to was Ricky Fowler. Um, and I know we've, you know, we've talked at length about Ricky. We talked at length about Ricky last week on the pod, um, further to his win, um, in Detroit the previous week. But, um, I think if there's a player that's going to have the motivation and the momentum to win this week, then then Fowler's the, the most likely candidate, in my view. He won the Scottish Open at Gullum back in 2015. And so he's proven that he's happy to go and win an event immediately prior to uh, the Open Championship. He's got three more top tens in uh, Scotland at the Scottish Open over the years, one at the Royal Aberdeen, uh, another at Dundonald Links, another again at Gullen as well. So he's very comfortable in these parts and in this kind of terrain as well. He was eighth going into the weekend here last year and drifted over the weekend, but his game is, how would you describe it? It's in an infinitely better position now, I think, than it was 12 months ago. 10 top 10, oh, 10 top 20s rather in his last 11 starts. He won in Detroit last time out, as we said. If you look at the likes of um, Tony Finnau last year, um, it, once he got that breakthrough win, once he got that win that he'd been, you know, striving to get back on, you know, to get himself back in the saddle um, after a, a long hiatus, then we saw Finnau, Finnau go back to back last year. We saw Xander, and again, Xander's a similar kind of case because he'd been winning tournaments, but they were, you know, these. You know the Olympics or the you know these these kind of events or the the, the pairs events. The, the you know he went out and eventually won a bona fide um, PGA Tour event at the Travelers. Week off, came here, won this event as well. So players that um, you know have, have regained that winning feeling um, coming into this event could well could well be the key. Perhaps with the weight lifted off his shoulders now, he's got that win. Floodgates may open. Sitting 12th now in the Ryder Cup standings, so he's still got work to do. I'm sure he'll be a very popular pick. I'm, you know, if he if he's in and around the top 12, I suspect he gets a pick anyway. Um, but um, you know, Ricky's in the kind of form now where I think he can go ahead and absolutely bolster that position. So happy to take Ricky. I took him 16 to one, eight places each way, um, three points each way, which is a relatively big bet for me for the top of the market. Um, but I really do fancy Ricky goes well this week. The other one in a similar kind of bracket who I've backed is Tyrrell Hatton. Now, I was tempted by Jordan Spieth. The question mark for me is whether his wrist is um, you know, good enough for him to really truly contend and and play this week. Um, we shall see. Uh, he did play the US Open without any strapping on his wrist, which was positive from his perspective, although he missed the cut. Um I'm denied about Spieth, but I've let him go. I'll be interested to see how he's playing. You know, potentially one to pick up in play if it's clear that he's playing. Um, if he's playing well, um, as we get into the actual event itself, we shall see. Tommy Fleetwood as well got a great record here, but for me, just you know, almost like that Robert McIntyre just doesn't win enough for the um, for the for the price yeah. that you tend to get on him. So. I went through the market. Tyrrell Hatton was the one that really stuck out below Fowler. Um, six DP World Tour wins now. One of them was a flagship at Went, uh, event at Wentworth. Three of them Rolex Series level wins uh, like this event this week. The other two were Dunhill Links wins. So all highly relevant in one way or another to, to this week's task. 
if you look at his form prior to the majors this year as well, fifth at the Byron Nelson before the US PGA, third at the Canadian Open before the US Open. So he's been warming up nicely. Um, his pre-major preparation has been absolutely solid. And even if his major performances themselves have been uh, a little bit underwhelming, uh, would be fair to say. Typically from a poor start that he's had at the majors when he's... Uh, when he's contended or when he's when he's gone out there the last couple of times. Three attempts here at Renaissance, 14th, 18th, 24th. Um, he's shot rounds of 64, 65, 66 during that time. Nothing to suggest that he doesn't get on with the course. I think he'll go well this week, Tyrrell Hatton at 22 to 1. Now, my next one is 70 to 1. So, um, Barry, have you got any that are in that kind of sub, say, sub 50 bracket this week? I don't actively like to root against you, Paul, but I really hope Ricky finishes somewhere in the tide at 17th this week. Just, <laughs> just keeps it, just keeps it bubbling. Um, my, my, I've kind of, I've kind of gone back to my uh, vibe that I had, or just like on, on picking golfers. The, um, the year Francesco Molinari won in Carnoustie was it 2018, 2019? Sorry if mm. my date picking is awful, but. Just remember picking him based on who's playing the best golf right now. Yeah. Um, and it feels like I can apply that kind of formula to this stretch of golf between the Scottish Open and the Open Championship. Uh, just, I suppose just like a magnet, I'm drawn to the Open Championship and I'm, I've got a just trying, to, hoping Ricky doesn't do anything too crazy this week because I really fancy him for next week because he is... He's sixth in the world on the data golf rankings. He is one of the hottest players on the planet right now. And kind of hoping that same formula applies for him next week. So that's my bad wishes for you this week. Or not too <laughs> bad. Maybe, maybe a place would be fine. I'll give me a place. Um, yeah, tight seventh. Tight seventh, yeah, yeah exactly. I, I'm kind of, I'm a bit lost this week. I, that, I want, I want, I kind of seen a little bit of life out of Max Homa, but I'm not sure if he's fully activated yet. But his odds are nice for somebody as um, who's won as many times as he is and as talented as, as he is. I'm a, I'm a little bit caught between patterns right now. A cop, yeah. Steve, yep. help save save me, please. I'm gonna keep, well, I'm gonna keep it on. simple. I'm gonna go for a guy that finished fourth last time out at the Travelers and finished fourth here last year. Hasn't won so far in 2023. He's vanilla. He's Patrick Cantler. 14 to 1. Great Nick. Needs a win. Won't be too fussed about the Open next year. I mean, with his, the way that he plays majors. I could see Cantley <laughs> taking this one out and then he'd, he'd join his mate Xander Schofle. So Xander in 2022 and Patrick in 2023. Mm. I, yeah, I just struggle to get excited about him, but that's just me. But yeah, I get that. Um, the one that the one that also jumps out to me. I mean, you listen to this set of results. Uh, Justin Rose, he's playing some really good stuff at the moment. Um, his last two victories in the United States have been at Torrey Pines. And Pebble Beach. So it's not as if this guy can't win decent events by the coast. He also won the Scottish Open way back in 2014. So we've even got it franked that he doesn't mind winning the Scottish Open the week before the Open Championship. Mm. He's finished ninth at the... Whatever tournament I watched recently, Justin Rose in the last few groups on a Sunday... Ninth at the PGA, 12th at the Charles Schwab, 8th at the Canadian Open, 4th at the British Masters. There was a miscut at the US Open when pretty much everyone and their wife on were on him. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think there's worse bets than Justin Rose, to be honest. I mean, I'm seeing him 45 to 1 with Unibet. If you're going to be safe with him, um, he's eight places each way available with either Bet365 each way extra or William Hill. I think there's worse bets than Rose. Yeah. What? It's been solid stuff. He has. If we're looking at this top 17 last outing, current form in, you know, Rose, I mean, 
I personally, I'd put you know, Shane Lowry's getting backed off the board. Um, maybe, I mean, yeah, okay, he plays well by the coast. I don't know. He's for me, he's playing far better in golf than um, a lot of the people that are shorter in price. So, yeah, I don't mm. mind Rose. Just another one who's been playing quite well recently is Minwoo Lee. He had his, you know, last year he was defending, but, and that's not always easy. You know, one of the first times he's probably dealt with that on a high level. Um, so, you know, fifth, ninth, and 15th in a three week stretch has a week off coming into this. Be a bit fresh. Good vibes coming back here. 33 mm. to 1. It was, I guess, mm. probably not. Probably a little bit short here. Yeah, 33, 35s. Like, I'd rather yeah. take Min Woo at that price versus, let's say, Tommy Fleetwood at 20s, 22s. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. There's probably a little bit more win equity in there as well. The thing with Shane as well, going back to Shane, is it's his course debut, and there's kind of this assumption that he's going to play well on every coastal linksy type course, or when the conditions are poor. Or, but you know, if you listen to him, he doesn't particularly like playing in tough conditions. Um, you know, there's a leap of faith that he's going to come and. Um, and perform well on debut with the likes of Minwoo Lee. It's course proven, isn't it? So, yeah, can see your logic there. Well, kind of in the mid range, then um, Lucas Herbert I've backed at seventy to one, and uh, if that weekend wind does arrive, then Lucas is the kind of um, kind of person that I'd want on the team. Uh, three times he's a, won on the DP World Tour now. Uh, the most recently was in Japan back in April. The one that really caught my eye was over on the PGA Tour. That was the Butterfield Bermuda Championship in 2021. And uh, that final day when he won there, shot a 69 the final day. Tough, tough conditions, wind, rain. Um, held it all together there mm. to win that, um, what was his maiden PGA Tour title. Great form in the UK and Ireland over the years. Fourth twice here at Renaissance um, from his attempts on this particular course. Went off the boil after his win um, in Japan and then uh, started to show a little bit of form last time out. 15th at the Travellers. Um, that was a decent level as well. And uh, he comes over here to a course that, uh, as I say, he has been, uh, he has contended on a couple of times um, and potentially with the conditions that are going to alienate a fair chunk of this field as well. So at 70 to 1, I took. There's still a little bit of 70 to 1 out there. He is being backed quite heavily for um, many of the reasons, I guess, that I've just articulated there. So um, if you fancy Lucas Herbert, then uh, that's one to get on sooner rather than later. The other one I've backed um, slightly longer, Alex Noren. Um, got him yesterday, 125 to 1. Again, he's been popular, 100 to 1 right now. But a three-figure price on Alex Noren is um, well worth taking, I think. 12th at the Scandinavian Mixed, 9th at the Rocket Mortgage. Mm. Been putting nicely as well. And if you look at his UK form, his wider UK form, really, really strong. He won the British Masters at the Grove back in 2016. Uh, he won at Wentworth the following year. Um, I, I was on him that year in 2017 when he won at Wentworth. Uh, 9th at Royal Livam in the, the Open Championship uh, way back when. 6th at Royal Birkdale as well in another Open Championship. He won the Scottish Open at Castle Stewart in 2016 as well. So again, we're talking pre-major championship weeks. We're talking fescue greens. We're talking linksy golf. A couple of top threes at the Dunhill Links. He was finalist, a losing finalist at the Paul Laurie match play back in 2016. And that was played at Archerfield Links, which is literally next door to, uh, to this week. So... Um, some local form, some uh, relevant form as well. And historically, Alex Norum is one of those players that you would always follow on his warm-up event prior to a major championship because he always seemed to lift his game. He got a lot of his wins early in his career in his start prior to a major championship. So um, Alex Norum, 125, as I say, 100 to 1 now. Um, the other one I've got that kind of range. So... Um, my last two are 200 to 1 and 300 to 1. So any others in that kind of, I don't know, 66 to 100, 125 to 1 bracket? Barry, anything from you? No, I'm I'm, I'm going to go for a couple of, uh, couple of couple Hail of Marys bombs. from the outside. Yeah. A couple of bombs. Anything from you in that bracket, Steve? I'm going to keep backing this Lud Ludwig Aberg. 
I don't think you're going to be getting 50 to 1 about Ludwig Aberg in many tournaments in the future. I think this guy is pretty special. Yeah. And on a golf course, uh, I was listening to Rick Gaiman today on his um, great YouTube show that he does every Monday. And he said, when you look at the Renaissance, it um, and it, this follows perfectly with Lucas Herbert, it rewards length off the tee. I think he said it was in the top eight on the PGA Tour for driving distance. And it also responds to around the green game because if you you know when the wind's blowing here and greens in regulation is low, you've got to be scrambling. You've got to be making pars to hang around on the leaderboard. So that could tie in with some of the dodgy weather we've got potentially here. Aberg, great around the green from the four outings we've seen, uh, and also I mean his driving's just phenomenal. And also, I don't think it'll be it's not going to be a bad look for Ludwig to come back clearly to to Europe because you know. Growing up in Sweden, he'll be used to this kind of agronomy, mm. undoubtedly. Yep. So yeah, I, th- I think fifty to one about him is not a bad price. And 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 the the punt of the week, and I suppose as a podcast, we might as well get on it. I actually had a, a little dabble at, at this particular individual last night. I managed to get seventy five to one, but he's been backed off the boards. Alex Smalley. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this guy is team no putt cannot putt for Toffee and that's why I didn't put him up at the John Deere Classic and he still finished second and I think he just he was basically 0.3 for strokes game putting mm. but his tee to green game when he's on it is absolutely elite um, if he keeps that going this week you could see him being a serious factor and I believe he finished where was he? Was he fourth last year here or top uh, ten? Tenth, tenth he was, yeah. Tenth here last year on debut, yeah. Mm. His form arriving is ninth, 47th, second last week at the John Deere Classic. So that ninth was at the designated Travellers as well. So it's not as if he can't mix it in good company. So I'm taking, I am I took 75 to 1, bet 3658 places each way last night. As He's you still said. out there floating around. He started, I mean, he's, he, he, the way this guy's been backed in is unbelievable. On first show yesterday, he was 150 to 1 with bet 365. Yeah. yeah. He say, has yeah. been smashed. Yeah, I, I saw a few people put him up very early on yesterday at 150 to 1. And as you say, it's, it's going to be 50s or thereabouts, isn't it, when, that he's going to end up at, which is, um, which is madness. But I can see it. When, we, when we're on those, though, do they, do those weeks ever, you know, they don't seem to come off that often when the whole world is on somebody. Mm. Oh, they do I'm, sometimes. That's the I'm point. Gonna, I'm going to stay away from it and let you guys have it. I'm too late <laughs> to the party anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I managed to jump on too late, but I, I'll take a 75 to one place. So my Scottish Open, I've got Cantlay at the top. I've then got Justin Rose. I've got Ludwig Aberg at fifty to one, and I've got Alex Smalley at seventy-five to one. But that—that that, what I'm talking about, Paul. Driving distance and around the green—that does shout Lucas Herbert, big star. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's his—that's his game. Yep. No, I can see. I can see. You know, kind of why I've gone down that route. But I can see why he's been a popular mm. pick in general as well. And he's another one of those where there's just a, an absolute sea of blue next to his name. Right. Yeah, that group there of Smalley, Lucas Herbert, Ryan Fox, Aaron Wright, Adrian Moronk, they're all being back very, very well, and quite rightly. Yeah. So it's a nice little pocket in the in the market there. Indeed, indeed. Right, okay. The the, the final two I've got, two longer prices. Um Matt Wallace are backed at two hundred to one. Um, I mentioned him earlier, won the Corrales Championship in March, been off the boil since, which um, for him is disappointing in Ryder Cup year because he will, he will want to find a way to kind of force the issue um, for, for uh, Luke Donald one way or the other. But then he went out and won the um, Open Championship qualifier last Tuesday at West Lancashire Golf Club. Um, you know, And that, combined with the fact that he shot a second round 64 at the Travellers Championship, when missing the cup. Um, suggest that he might have just have found something. He might just have turned the former and turned the corner in terms in terms of his form. 
second at Hillside back at the 2019 British Masters, 20, um, second at uh, Fairmont as well, St Andrews in 2020. Uh, should really have won that event at Fairmont St Andrews as well. So he's got some good coastal linksy form. He was fourth here after 54 holes on debut. Um, so got a little bit of course form as well. I think Wallace could go well. 200 to 1, again, another one who's been backed quite heavily. He opened at 300 to 1, but um, still worth a punt at that price. And the other one, couldn't resist it. Matthew Southgate, 300 to 1. Uh, I've talked about him at length. Um, if, if there's a way to describe it further than at length, um, but I've described him or talked about him loads on this podcast in the past. He just loves this kind of terrain, doesn't he? He's playing some solid stuff this season as well. Three top 12s. He was fourth at the Sudal Open. Tenth last week. Now, he talked about Sepp Stracker being on 59 watch. Matthew Southgate was on 59 watch last week. He got all the way to the final hole. He needed to birdie the 18th to shoot 59. Um, tough, tough hole. Made bogey. But even so, anyone who's Getting within a sniff of you know shooting 59 on a tour event is playing some good golf, and he's coming to a course that is you know going to suit him. It's one that is absolutely up, right up his alley. So, um, he's another one who got through Open Championship qualifying as well last week. So he's playing next week. Can play this event with a lot of freedom. There's no pressure on his shoulders. In fact, he's shorter in price to win the Open Championship next week than he is to win this week in Scotland, which is madness in my view. So um, taking Southgate. So just to summarise, Southgate, Wallace, Alex Noren, Lucas Herbert, Till Hatton, Ricky Fowler for me. These bombs you talked about, Barry, who are they? Uh, going to go with Yost Layton. Yost. Yes, he likes a bit of links as well. Not the longest, not the longest out there, uh, but second and eighth in his last two outings. Uh, I went and messed around with him. I found about 125 to 112 places. Uh, rather, I preferred the extra places there rather than the 175 at eights. Mm-hmm. Bit of a jump, but I feel like the, the, the having the extra four places is worthwhile. <clears throat> and the other one I'm looking at is Romain Langasque. Yeah who in his last five outings has had a 16th, 10th, and an 8th, 8th being the most recent. Um, he was third here four years ago, so take a little flyer on him. Um, I think I'm going to go to the Paul Williams route. I can get him a 250 to 1, 8 places. I might get greedy. <laughs> I'll, figure it, I'll, I'll figure it out. Very good. Yeah, playing some decent stuff as well, Langask, so... Yep. Do, you, do you reckon Lucas, our uh, five-star podcast reviewer, is on Yosh uh, this week? Oh, def- definitely. Don't tempt me into doing a Dutch accent. <laughs> <laughs> We're big in Holland, apparently. We're the number one golf podcast in Holland. We're probably uh, with one downloader. That's Lucas. <laughs> Should we talk about the Barbasol Championship? Yeah, let's do it. We'll, have, we'll talk about it for 10 minutes. Uh, one of my three tips might be actually flying on a jet to Scotland at the moment, which is very annoying. Uh, but there's, there's been apps. Poor old Rob Bolton on Twitter. He, he, he's he been working uh, the midnight oil, trying to keep up to speed with how they're dividing up um, the Scottish Open and the Barbasol Championship this week in terms of field. Um, apparently, Troy Merritt, who is one of my tips... This came out overnight from Rob. Could well be a sponsor's exemption into the Scottish Open. Now, at the moment, he's showing on everyone's books to still be playing the uh, Barbasol. Uh, he's not showing on any books to be showing the Scottish Open, but that could, of course, change. But there's been a load of them, haven't there, Paul? Yeah. MJ, Daffy, there's been a whole list of players that were apparently been asked to go to Scotland and must have turned around and said no way mate I'm staying here I'm staying in the States <laughs> yep. so uh, we'll see if Troy merits in that category I mean, for me I, why would you fly to Scotland to then have to fly all the way back next week to play the Barracuda in California mm. doesn't make a lot of sense does it but I suppose there's there's ways and means and no 
and favours to be brought in with a lot of this. Mm. Um, the Barbasol alternate event, very poor field, an absolute birdie fest. They play at the Champions Course, Keen Trace in Kentucky. It's hot, it's humid, it's a par 72. It's got five par fives, the longest of which is only 570 yards. 7,328 yards in length. Six holes with water in place. Quite a few of these holes where you know where you've got water that goes down one side of the fairway and around the green complex as well. It's got a little bit of a... Yeah, that that some players f- find that very very intimidating. Others get on with that. Uh, it's in Kentucky, so we're looking at bent grass fairways, Kentucky bluegrass with fescue rough. There isn't a lot of it. Six thousand square feet on average, bent grass green, so very big. And because it's twenty nine thirty degrees Celsius most weeks, uh, most years here, they water the greens beyond you know. So every ball's just hitting the green and going. Oh, thank you very much. Absolute birdie fest. It was the fourth easiest golf course on tour last year. The fifth easiest the year before. Bombs away, chaps. Uh, James Hahn holds the course record with a 60. That's minus 12. (laughs) 12 under 60. That's mad. Kelly Craft's got a 61. Jim Herman, Troy Merritt, JT Poston, Adam Svensson, Brandon Haggy all have 62s. On this golf course. Uh, 25 under won it last year. Trey Melanax. I know people were on him at 150 to 1. I had no idea how or why, but they were. Seamus Power was the favourite when he won here. He was 21 under par. Jim Herman, your friend, the Hermanator. I wouldn't be surprised if you're on him this week, Paul, because he was uh, in the top 10 last week at halfway. He shot 26 under and Troy Merritt 23 under. So we are going birdie ballistic this week. Uh, Mullinax was 150, as I said. Power, 20 to 1 favourite. Herman, 500 to 1. Merritt, 55 to 1. Those are the four winners here at Keen Trace. Uh, there's thunder in the forecast and rain. I, I just think it's, you know, it's, it's very similar to last year. You might find there's lots and lots of suspensions. Uh, and that course is getting regularly doused with water, so it really is. Um, it's a, it's a, it's going to be a superb birdie fest. When I look at the strokes gain numbers quickly, off the tee, thirteenth. This is for winners. Just working back to merit where they finished in the field uh, in the made cut field. Thirteenth for off the tee, eighth for approach, twenty fourth around the green, third tee to green, twenty fourth putting. So team no putt is in effect this week. Uh, last week at the John Deere Classic, we said you needed to be very strong with the putting to win. Sepp Strucker won. He was fourth for strokes game putting. Brendan Todd was third for putting. This is not that kind of tournament. It's all about excellent approach play. Um, straight and true off the tee. Just create those eagle and birdie chances. Now, I've got three. I've gone for Vincent Norman, the young Swede, who I've been very impressed with since he's graduated. Um, he's at one, one, three on the FedEx Cup, so he's by no means guaranteed his card for next year. Bearing in mind that this is a one-off year, isn't it? They're actually extending the FedEx Cup beyond... Well, they're not. If you're in category 71 to 125, they're going to be playing to the end of the year to keep their card. And then the new season starts at the Century Tournament of Champions next year. Anyway, a lot of these guys are still playing for cards. It's as simple as that. I think Norman is extremely strong off the tee. 11th for driving distance, 33rd for off the tee, 9th for going for the green and 10th for eagles per hole. I think Norman on an open course with wide fairways suits him down to the ground. I really do. He's also second in this field. When you look at the full season statistics on the PGA Tour website, he's second in this field for uh, birdie average, only behind Akshay Bhatia. So he makes plenty of birdies. He's long. He's very aggressive. And actually... 
His form has picked up since, I mean, he finished ninth in the team event at New Orleans. But when we got to uh, 18th at Mexico, that's another wide, um, that New Orleans course, of course, wide open, loads of water. Mexico, plenty of water on that as well, wide open, he was 18th. Then he really got his teeth into it. Eighth at the Byron Nelson, 24th last time out of the Rocket Mortgage, where he finished, I think, with uh, a 7 under 65. So I think Norman's got, um, he's got momentum, I'm on him. So two points each way. I've got 28 to 1, seven places each way with Coral. Uh, Bet365R doing an eight places extended market this week. If you just t uh, click into the outrights, you'll see a table there and eight places each way is an option. I've gone for our old favourite. If you're talking about players that can hit it a long way, like Trey Mullinax, and are coming into a tiny bit of form, but not a lot. You're not getting 150 to one on this chap, but that's because this guy actually knows how to win. Cam Champ. I've got him 40 to one. Um, I'm only going small. I've got three players. So I don't, uh, uh, small stakes, effectively. One and a quarter points each way. 40 to one I've got on Cam Champ. No one's backing him, so that's still out there. That's with bet 365. Three time winner on the PGA Tour. Played quite nicely in his final round last week. He shot a five under 66 at Deer Run. Yeah, and he just plays on courses that seem to link to a merit, to a Herman. So there's a bit of course correlation there. He hits it a country mile. And if he can keep a warm putter going, I could see Cam Champ going very well at 40 to 1. And if he's in the mix on Sunday, you actually know with Champ, he can actually yeah. scrag a victory. Mm. Uh, and his FedEx Cup ranking is 145. His exempt winning win exemptions are ending at the end of this year. So if Champ doesn't get top 125, he's got problems in terms of m maintaining his card. So I would have thought that's starting to gravitate in his mind and he's actually having to focus on what he needs to be doing at the moment. So Champ at 40 to 1. Norman at 28 to 1. And then I fi I finished with who was actually, this was my favourite bet of the lot. It was Troy Merritt. I hope he does play um, Barbasol. I really do. I got him 40 to 1, eight places each way with Boyle Sports. He opened at 60 to 1 with a couple of firms that were going five places each way. Uh, but I took the full eight because it's that kind of event. Uh, you just want some. You want to kind of cover your week and get out of here, really. But merit, yeah, scoreable. He just he, he's absolutely right for this. Plenty of birdies when he's on form. A two-time winner on the PGA Tour. Fourth and second for strokes gained tee to green across his last two outings. That's pretty mad. And then all of a sudden the putter starting to warm at Deer Run last week over the weekend. It had been ice cold. All of a sudden, Troy's actually making some putts as well. So I hope he plays, but it looks like he might play the Scottish Open. That's Merritt. The other two that seem to be playing, Champ and Vincent Norman. Right, you two, anyone interested in a bet at the Barbasol? Well, just to, I've backed Troy Merritt as well, but just to back you up on him, um, if you look at your statistics that you use for the um the, the, the event specific uh, variables for the predictor model troy merritt sits uh, first for first par 72 scoring first for soft course scoring first for medium length course um results first for resort level scoring <clears throat> so he's gonna play, he'll play the scottish open then won't he yeah, exactly yeah yeah i, <laughs> I missed the cut yeah, statistically, um, you know, based on the type of course that we're playing, he fits like a glove. So, yeah, yeah. as you say, he's probably in the air over over the Atlantic at the moment, and um, that will scupper that. So, well, you said to me people were tweeting him, and 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 Rob Bolton basically said he didn't really know what was going on, no. and Troy wasn't responding to any emails, so we we don't know where he is. He could be mid air, couldn't he, across he the Atlantic? Be. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we'll 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 see where he gets to. Um, the ones I've backed, uh, Lucas Glover, I've backed to twenty five to one. Uh, fourth at the Rocket Mortgage, we talked about that last week. Sixty four, sixty five over the weekend. Sixth last week at the John Deere Classic when you were on, um, and bogey at the last. Otherwise, he'd have finished a little bit higher than that. 
Sixth and 12th for strokes gain approach. Last two outings, fifth and 15th for strokes gain putting. So um, his approach game's working, his putting game's working. He doesn't normally play this. So I think it's fairly clear that he wants to win a golf tournament and he's in the right kind of shape to do just that right now. I think Lucas Glover. Um, I have back Jim Herman, as you said, 125 to 163 in the second round last week. That was just the spark of form that I wanted to see. Um, 11th for strokes going off the tee last week as well for Jim Herman. You're never going to get a sparkling form line of Jim Jim Herman when he comes in. You're never going to get a sparkling form line when he wins, but Jim Herman can win a golf tournament. Um, and the other one I've backed, a bit more speculative, one of my favourite players, Alexander Levy, 200 to 1. Um, and that's simply because I just, I keep seeing his name pop up sporadically on DP World Tour leaderboards and uh, suggest to me that something is percolating with him. He's an aggressive player. I think that style could and should suit this course this week. He was 11th after 54 holes at the British Masters, 6th after the first day last week, closed with a 67 as well. I wouldn't be surprised to see Alex Levy sneak into the each way places at 200 to 1. So um, I've taken a little punt on him this week. But that's me, Levy, Glover, Herman, and uh, a hopeful one on Troy Merritt. Barry? Um, Just put a bet on Glover. But other than that, um, I'm getting a lot of panic looking at the current form <laughs> versus course form and just seeing MCs all over the place. It's hard to, it's hard to, yeah. We'll I think, I think, a, a, yeah, I think a dart, a, like throwing a dart, blindfolded dart at the board might be more beneficial than trying to break this down, at least in terms of how I do it. So. They're, yeah, gonna, they're feast. Yeah. They're total and utter feast or famine. These events. It's either, it's either someone sub forty to one or someone just crazy like a Nico Echeverria at Puerto Rico. That tends to be how it works. Um, none of us mentioned t- t- uh, Taylor Pendrith, who's the favourite. Yeah, there's no. That's not fun. Backing the favourite though, is it? It's not fun. And actually, you look at Taylor Pendrith, um, he's a clearly a very talented player, played in the President's Cup. You could argue he's probably the best player in the field. But just look on Wikipedia how often the guy wins. And uh, you'll be scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. <laughs> to his Canadian tour victories way back in God knows when. Mm. So it doesn't fill you with enthusiasm. I think that's us, chaps. Thank you for your time this morning, gentlemen. Yeah, best of luck, boys. Good luck, lads. I hope your bets go well. Um, I hope listeners' bets go well and DraftKings teams. We are going to be recording our Open Championship Research podcast this Friday. So listen out and look out for that. Clearly, Open Championship from Hoylake next week. Enjoy your golf betting. We'll see you again soon. If you like betting on golf, Everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf